Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. One thing, if you've been in the sales world a long time, you notice everybody's got their system. And they think their system is better than everybody else's system. When you run a large organization, that, you know, the argument of the systems pro and con, it's what people, for some reason, they're not satisfied just to use their system. They want to convince everybody else that they need to be using the system, you know, they're, and it's like, and they would come to me, you know, to arbitrate, you know. <laughs> And my thing is, I could care less about systems. I'm interested in results. You need to find the system that'll give you the most results and end of argument. There's nothing, as long as it's legal, you know, be legal and because you can perpetuate yourself, find what works best for you. That's the system. And then that's the system you can teach other people because, you know, you'll be really good at the system that works for you. And if a new person coming in, they just need some kind of system because they don't have a clue. And as you went in the process of this, did you get excited about sales or get to understand how important sales is to, and sales skills are to being support yourself in the world, to be able to go out there, find employment, uh, the importance to a company? When did the light bulb about what an incredibly valuable thing sales skills were? Yeah, it's interesting. I got a couple of stories and it's so one of them is so in line with what you mentioned. I'll talk about maybe the first piece, and then I'll talk about like you mentioned the system and process piece, which is kind of what really catapulted my career. It was probably so I worked in professional sports for two and a half years, loved sports and thought that that was like my thing. But sports, just so you all know, sports pay for sales is not great because they're like everybody wants your job. The hours, you know, if you're working major league baseball, you got 81 home games where you're working you're getting in at 7 a.m., 7.30, and you're working till 10, right? So like, and the pay is not great. So like, I don't know if I thought sports was going to be my always. So I love sports and I love sales. What I realized is that sales satisfies a lot of things that intrinsically motivate me. And I think whatever the career is, you have to look for that. Because if you don't, like, again, I talk about the same things that I've talked about eight or nine years ago. And anyone who knows me, it's the same level of passion. I have the same level of excitement. What I love about sales is, a few things. Like one, I genuinely believe that you're helping people. I believe it in my bones that this company, based off the $5,000 commission I'm going to make versus the $200,000 investment you're going to make, and then the ROI, the customer wins every time. And so I think I had that belief. And this is just maybe being a dumb kid too. Like I never put people on a pedestal. Like, oh, thank you. One of my biggest pet peeves is thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today. I really appreciate it. I never said that ever. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're just putting them. I genuinely believed I could help these people. And therefore, I think I was able to have like a level of confidence. And I was a mass. I studied my buyer personas. I studied industries like I made sure I showed up prepared so I could be even if someone has 15, 20 years more of experience. I always said this and I, that's how I trained my teams. You're not going to have as many years of HR experience as the people you're talking to, but you can be an expert on this one little thing. And you do know more than them about this one little part about talent acquisition or whatever it is that we did. And so I think it's that combination of those things that you're staying a student of the game. And I, I just really enjoyed that. I enjoyed learning new industries. I enjoyed being able to have new conversations and say, you know, every situation, there's similarities, especially at this point in my career where I've probably ran, I don't know, tens of thousands of sales meetings and made 
who God knows how many calls in my life. So, you know, that was a big part of it. And then what happened is I, I had a lot of that natural talent, right? I knew these techniques and skills and things like that. And, and I had somewhat of a process, but when I went to a bigger company, I went to a company that had like a thousand sales reps, actually the same manager I mentioned before, who kind of gave me an idea of goal setting. I was in a training class and I think there were 10 of us or something. And I hadn't sold anything. I was like the second to last person. And I'm like, I am God's gift to sales. Like, how is this not happening? And my boss's boss, Evan Ross, he listened to one of my calls and pulled me in the room. And he said, Jake, why aren't you following the script? Like, why aren't you following our process? This is when the whole kind of real process, like light bulb came on for me. Again, I was good at borrowing like techniques, but I didn't have a system. Let's put it that way. And he goes, Jake, let me ask you this. And I'm, you know, so I get my spiel about scripts and process and all this stuff. And he goes, do you think we're stupid? I said, well, no, probably not. He goes, Jake, do you think we train a thousand people on a process that doesn't work? And I'm like, hmm, probably not. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Whatever I'm doing, it ain't working. And so drank the Kool-Aid. Next month, closed $60,000 in new business. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap sales is a process. So then I had like all this like new appreciation. So I, I love the, the techniques and the helping and learning about businesses. And then I realized, wow, there are steps in a sales process that you can actually focus on and execute to continue to improve your close rate by getting better at this part of a system or process. And so it was really that four years that I kind of learned this idea. And then that's why Glassdoor came knocking in the you know early 2010s. And another, I've only told this story a couple of times. I was 32, how old was I? 31, maybe something, 31. I went and interviewed there at the late stages with a couple people. I got the offer letter. They had a guy's name. They forgot to delete it. <laughs> and, they, and I knew this guy and he's probably 20 years older than me, but I got the job because I had a system. I had a process. I knew what made me successful. I knew then therefore how to replicate that. I knew the industry and the space. And I had put myself in the position through all that compounding interest to be a better candidate than someone who is even 20 years because I still had like that drive and some of those things. So all those things together really are like what I love about sales is demystifying it. Sales is much more of a science than people want to give it credit for. And instead, we like to look at the hand waving and that's the techniques. And there's some things that can separate a plus player from a B plus, but I can build an army of Bs and B pluses if they're coachable. And that can get most companies to their number pretty quickly. Jake, when we started A.O. Williams, uh, which became Primerica in uh, the late 70s. I remember, I remember Primerica, yeah. It was everybody was an instinctive sales genius, except for me. I came in, my background was, I'm a Georgia Tech graduate, started architecture, got out in construction, building construction. And so I built 100 houses in four years on the north side of Atlanta, but I knew all along sales was where, you know, you could make the biggest money, have the, you know, your little more control of your life in the right situation. And so I was open to sales, but I was locked into construction. And so when I went into, when the economy went down early 70s, I said, I got to get in a better industry, <laughs> the construction. This sucks. <laughs> it seems to be people going bankrupt on seven-year cycles. And in seven years, they go through the whole cycles of get married, have kids, join the country club, buy the <laughs> new house, go on the big vacation, and then they go bust. Now it's divorce, lose the house, <laughs> lose everything. 
And then, then think the market changes again. I said, I've got to be able to where I can focus on things and I don't have to worry about the oil embargo going from the, the Mideast, you know? And uh, so financial services came on the radar and sales and financial services seem to be a great mixture. But this company, you know, the concept of buy term and invested difference was raw and new at the time, even though all the consumer people were endorsing it, nobody was doing it because all the insurance guys could make more money selling whole life. And so we went in there with that new concept and uh, everybody else is just like an instinctive genius. I swear, Jake, it was like a magic show. I watched them do a, make a sale and it was like, as if they were angels dancing on the head of a pin. And when it was over, they danced long enough. And then the heavens opened and the checkbook came and a sale was made. I had no clue what was happening. But step by step, I started to unravel it. And I unraveled it by recording them. Yeah, exactly. You know, taking the mystery. I recorded the suckers. And then I would go on my cheap drugstore recorder, cassette recorder, and... 29 cent cassette tapes and longhand, I do longhand outlines and then do I short outlines and then I make it a one word outline. And then by that time, I never looked at, need to look at the outline again. I, you know, I knew everybody's sales pitch and I took the mystery out of that. That's and right. so as a result, I think you can relate to this. The harder it is for you to learn something, the better you're going to be teaching it. That's it. And I'll tell you what separates leaders from the people that excel is they know their process. You know, there's a lot of sellers, and you touched on this, they're, you know, it's called unconsciously competent. They actually have a very, really tight process, and you figure that out, right, from listening, and you're like, oh, they, this, they do this, boom, 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 and you just you put the thread together. But that's why you see so many people get to sales manager level and never go further, or get to a VP of sales and never go to a CRO, is they don't understand those repeatable systems that you need to be able to build to scale yourself. And, and also just understand the parts of yourself that are unique that other people can't scale. And so what can you do to build in the parts of that that are scalable? And that's, you know, every organization's got to figure that out. Obviously, it's a lot of the work that we do with companies is helping them to figure that out and pulling out of people's heads the processes, like you mentioned, that already exist or exist in, you know, a fragmented way and, you know, putting it together in a process that that's easy to execute and the systems that they can track and optimize. For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compressed them into a free webinar. That's right, it's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million dollar earners, register now at widelonwinning.com you'll discover the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. You can find that link in this episode's show notes. Now, did you say that was Glassdoor was the name of that company? Yeah, that was my first VP of sales job was Glassdoor. Talk about that experience, what you got from it, how you were effective, uh, you've already talked about having a system and what you got out of that. How did that change you? How did that inform you? What skills did you get there that you didn't have before? Yeah, it's interesting to reflect. I didn't know what I was getting myself into in retrospect. You know, I was employee number 20. I didn't realize like who we had raised money from. 
and like who was sitting on our board. You know, the chairman of our board was a guy, Rich Barton. If you guys don't, Rich Barton. Rich Barton founded, he was at Microsoft, spun out, founded Expedia. Then he founded Zillow. And he's sitting right here in the board meeting next to me. Then I had sitting right here in the board meeting a guy that some of you might know by the name of Gurley. He was all over. If you watch the Uber documentary, that's him. VC of the year multiple times. I had all these people. He's like the guy who started TripAdvisor. He's sitting here. I did not know what I got. Like, <laughs> I was right place, right time. Now, I'll say I put myself in the position to be there. Right. And what I was able to do is quickly bring the process and system that I had built working at a bigger company to that smaller company. And because of that, I was quickly able to scale revenue faster than most people. And because of the other things I didn't know, I had access to money that we weren't going out of business, right? This wasn't one of those startups that's like two dudes in a dream in a garage. These are some like heavy hitters that I'm sitting next to and I didn't know any better. And so I think, you know, what it did for me was it allowed me to do things, it take the process, take the systems, and put those in place. The biggest mistake that I made that I don't really think about it too much anymore is I didn't do a good job of, I realized I didn't know that the limit to my skill set, And so I didn't go out and talk to the guys and women who had been there and scaled the company, not from, you know, zero to 20 million, but 20 to 100 and go get an army of those people. Hey, what should I do next year? Going back to my process of, you know, ripping off other people's best practices. I didn't do that. And because of that, I struggled to be a good teammate in our leadership team because in I grew up in this environment the previous companies sales was God if sales wanted to push product to do something product would do it and it, so but when you get up into startup land it's a little more sensitive engineering and product and all this and and I didn't have I didn't get the right people in my corner to where I could scale with the company and that obviously should have been like step one like I never thought I'd start my own firm ever you know now we're 30 whatever 35 plus people and all over the US and Europe. But what happened is then I went to my next startup. I also struggled again, I crushed it. You know, we went for, took that one from 1.5 to $4 million in revenue in under a year with like a team of six or seven, a glass door, we scaled from zero to 40 people in 16 months. And then realized, why am I doing this for other people? I have a very unique skill set that I can build and scale repeatable sales engines. And, you know, as a VP of sales and, or VP of marketing too, you just get, used up. <laughs> They're like, okay, you've had a good run for two to four years. Now we're going to go get this other person. And yep, you've had a good run. Now we're going to go do this. And that was really why I ended up starting the company too. So I learned a lot. And there's a lot of these things that made me successful. But what I also learned is that I never thought about, I never once until I did it thought I would start my own company. My wife can tell you, but after the kind of I was in the second role, I'm like, I think I should just do this myself. Like, why am I going and lying in these VCs pockets and all these other people, like I'm the one with the IP here. And that was really, you know, kind of how I parlayed that experience, you know, over the course of three, you know, from that first to starting the company three years later, was taking those processes and systems and things that I enjoy doing and building, and then turning that into a company. But that the, the sales person really is a rootless wonder inside the company, because they can toss you and put another pot of, you know, go to the store and get another uh, salesperson, or you can develop a territory, or like you say, in a company, and they can get three. It doesn't take long before they're starting to figure you're making too much money compared to... Oh, it happens. And then here's the crazy part. And this, so one of the reasons I started Scaled is, okay, I'm looking over at marketing. 
Marketing gets PR agencies, they get web design agencies, they get performance marketing agencies, they get content agencies. Sales gets nothing. They go, go hire full-time people. And what I realized, I'm like, I work with consultants at both, both the companies I was at, and both the times after working with a consultant, and I'm sure if any of you have worked with a consultant, you can relate to this. It's like, really, this is the output? Like, dude, I told you 85, 90% of this, and now you've got an action plan that looks this long. How do I do this? Like, I need the tactical execution support. And so that was the number one reason I started the company is I was like, man, why doesn't sales get support, expert support services? And candidly, it was a pretty uphill battle for a long time because sales teams are just so used to having to hire people full time. And I think now, obviously, with COVID and as people are looking at new to go to market motions, it's our businesses, you know, had a great 2021 rough last three-fourths of 2022. And now, you know, as people are starting to think about scaling again, scaling with fractional experts, agency, you know, type support is more attractive. But I started the company because I saw a need and, you know, it's probably just a little too far ahead in retrospect, or maybe I didn't. I also didn't know what my business model was. I knew like I wanted to do something around sales consulting and we did outsource Legion for a little bit. And I hated that business. We got that business from zero to a million bucks in like nine months. And then I'm sitting there in San Francisco with a guy who has been with me now for eight years. And I go, what do you think of this part of the business? And he's like, I hate it. And I'm like, I hate it too, man. (laughs) I'm like, let's kill this. Like, like, let's kill this thing. And so we sold off customers to our competition and converted a few to consulting. And, you know, the, the first part of the business was that. And I tell everyone who asked me, you know, the question about the early years, it's like, what I did wrong is I I wasn't, I think part of the curse of being good at sales or these processes is I can imagine anything. And then when you couple that with a consulting firm, which means you can technically kind of do a lot of different things, I didn't have a very clear vision early on. And it caused me to kind of meander for the first, call it four or five years. As, you know, revenue would still grow, but you know, we just have our fingers and a bunch of different stuff. And you know, it's probably like late 2010s or finally... It's like, okay, this idea of sales technology and sales process and how they come together, that's who we're going to be. And so I think it's that, you know, for as you're scaling your business, what everybody finds, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, like you're always scared of cutting a business line. And every time you do it, here's what revenue does. Boop. Yeah. (laughs) Every time you cut a business line, that's a distraction. Revenue goes up and it can be hard to know that whenever you're in the thick of it. But, you know, that's a little bit about our, our journey in particular. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealanwinning.com. Thanks for listening.